Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might find yourself. If you can hear the sound of my voice, congratulations. Well, you have arrived. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 48. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We are about to get into my top five picks from DC Comics this week, just like every week. An opportunity to step outside from the real world, the world we have to live in, and go to a world we can choose to be in for as long as we like. There, in this interdimensional time space, I love to picture a spinner rack twisting, hovering, displaying all of the books from this week, and my opportunity to pick five. Kind of like when I was a kid, and Mom said it was based on my allowance, or just how much we were able to spend that day. I get to pick five, share them with you, talk about what I like, what I hope you will too, and at the end, give you all the best ways to let me know how you can reach out with your thoughts and comments, and how well I did on my top five pick what you would change about it, and anything else, well, you want to share. We're going to start things off with my first pick, which is Strange Adventures, number one. There's been a great deal of anticipation with the knowledge that this would bring back together Tom King and Mitch Gerards. If you're a fan of either of their work, then you've probably been anticipating this book, and I don't have to tell you too much more that you don't already know. And yet at the same time, if you haven't, if this is your first introduction, if you've heard enough about Tom King, either on this broadcast or others, or simply in comics conversation, and you're wondering to yourself if this is where you should jump on, I say why not? I think this is a really great book. Uh, Again, Tom King is the writer. If You're just tuning in and you're not even familiar with who that is or what that might mean. That's okay, too. I think every great series is an opportunity to introduce yourself to a new writer, a new artist, a new collaborative team. In this case, it's Tom King with Mitch Gerards providing the interior and the cover art, along with Evan Doc Shainer. Clayton Cowles provides the letters. And in this great story, we get the chance to revisit some of the things that I felt made other projects by Tom King so successful. For example, Mr. Miracle. Much like the character of Mr. Miracle, Adam Strange is caught between two worlds and similar to that of the star of Mr. Miracle. Adam Strange doesn't always have a say. In fact, he has even less say simply because the circumstances that allow him to travel between Earth and Ran, so very, very far away, is the Zeta Beam. And the Zeta Beam does not have a measured time allotment. And if it does, it seems to be a bit quirky about it. Now, some of it can be prepared for and anticipated, but that comes with practice. And this story points out that 
before there was that practice, awareness, preparation, well, there was also the consequences that came with not knowing, with not being prepared, with what that impact can have on a family, on a life. Now, while I really enjoyed a lot of the elements in Mr. Miracle for what they introduced to us about Scott Free, what they made important about the man and his goals and his adjustments to life here on earth and the celebrity and sustaining it. I felt that there was something really great in this book, which was the introduction early on of a mystery and a questioning of whether or not history has been written to capture the truth or just a really good version of it. Now that creates a lot of complications, but I think it also does a wonderful job of mirroring so much of what we in the real world have to address. And I really enjoyed, at the end of the book, a reference from Tom King about how he gets the best of both worlds by collaborating with both Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner, because one provides the grounded realism, and the other has that sort of uplifting, glowing, otherworldly quality. And between the two, we get the chance to experience the handoff and the moments on Earth that might feel very grounded and the moments on Rand that can seem so unbelievable out of this world. What we have here is a really great book to kick off this 12-issue series, and I have heard some predictions, social media and the like. Perhaps Adam will end up with a beard by issue 12, much like Scott Free did. To which I chuckled when Tom King reposted that with a response saying, major spoilers. Is he just making fun of himself? Or should we really prepare for Adam to uh, have a beard? Only time will tell. We've got many more issues to come. We'll have to see whether or not that prediction comes true. But kicking this off with Strange Adventures number one, I think we are in for a great ride. I love the introduction. I love the characters. I love a little glance to the uh, past work Tom has done and the characters that he's done before. And I really enjoyed kicking off this Strange Adventures journey. A perfect five out of five from me. A great collaboration, great storytelling, and so many of the wonderful elements I've come to expect when Tom King and Mitch Gerards collaborate. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Get back to me with all of your takes on my takes. With that five out of five for our first one, I'm going to go ahead and move us right into my second choice. And for that second choice, I'm not going to say that I was honor or duty bound, let alone that I have an obligation to the fact that so many great books are now reaching milestones like 1,750. But Flash 750, I felt obligated to address the fact that this is a really great selection of stories from wonderful storytellers who have had quite an impressive hand in the growth, in the 
sort of catalog of stories that have come to exist with one of my favorite characters. Actually, my favorite character. To this day still, The Flash has maintained this ability to not diminish in strength, quality, and overall greatness in my mind. This issue does a wonderful job of capturing that. And for me, I also have a a bit of a truth-telling to share. I get a chance to read through these books because I get advanced copies and get the opportunity to see them in a digital format, which is lovely. And at the same time, also lacks that tactile feeling of holding it in my hands. So when it comes to the 750 or 1000 books, except for Detective Comics, where I decided to try something new on that recording. And you can go back to that episode if you're curious and would like to take a listen. But since then, I've found that there's a great deal of importance in knowing I will get the collected versions and read them in the book format that I've come to enjoy so much so that when I've come to reviewing them, I generally stick with the first story. And then I move from there because I know that I want to share with you what I feel is the best quality of the storytelling. And yet at the same time, I don't want to go too far into the experience through the digital format, knowing how much more joy I'll get when I get the chance to hold the physical copy in my hand, soak in the experience, much like I did when I first came to embrace comics and found them to be the wonderful medium that we all get to celebrate now. That doesn't mean that there's a shortchanging going on when it comes to talking about the first story in all of these collections, whether it was most recently with Wonder Woman or on this episode with Flash number 750. In Flash Age Part 1, Joshua Williamson writes a really wonderful story. And I love the fact that we get Alan Steven Segovia on the pencils with Segovia inking, RF Priano providing the colors, and Steve Wands with the letters. What we have here is a, <laughs> a really interesting moment in which the nature of who the Flash is is actually so well reflected in the storytelling. What we get is the chance to see just how quickly things can move along for our good friend Mr. Barry, and that when you're talking about someone like The Flash, time has a very relative sense of ebb and flow. It would be no secret to say that things have been moving along quickly for The Flash, and when we drop into this story, so much has already occurred. So much is sort of dropped in through exposition without really going into scene and drops the summary elements that allow us to catch up on the fact that ever since the events of the previous issue, ever since the stopping of Captain Cold and the defeat of the rogues and Barry's short-term stint in prison and his ability to gain greater control over his powers, we find out in this issue just how much is going on now. 
Wally has left and is with the Teen Titans. Avery has gone back to her home and the mystery of what relationship could have occurred or friendship could have developed between her and Wally is, or Barry is left on hold. I still say Wally sometimes. He was my first Flash. What can I do? And it looks like things have sped up in a number of other areas. Barry was able to get things on track with his speed when it comes to uh, controlling how the speed force is affecting him by working with his old buddy Piper and getting his harmonic frequencies closer to alignment. Not quite. There's still the risk of him going out of control. But more importantly for me is his relationship with Iris, which is so really, really beautifully captured in a, a sweet full page moment where they're kissing and holding each other. And I'm reminded of how much Iris has always meant to Barry and how important she has always been to his story and how, in my mind, there can only always be Barry and Iris. And how it, it, there's this importance that comes from that relationship that continues from that page through the rest of this story. And through it, we get the chance to see what's important to Barry now what he wants his legacy to be and how that's challenged by the appearance of characters like Godspeed and the threat that's coming from Paradox. Now, Paradox made an appearance recently and we learned his history, a very different take from the Paradox that I remember from earlier versions of The Flash, as I said, the Wally West that I knew. And this Paradox blames his situation on the fact that when the Flash uses speed, he affects time. And that paradox, with many others, was trapped in a past he couldn't escape, pulled away from his family, and twisted into the version he is now. He's come to seek revenge. Godspeed believes there's no way Barry can win, and that he needs to leave it alone, stay away, run, hide if he has to. But that's not Barry's way. And that means a big conflict is coming. What will the outcome be? Well, for The Flash, when it comes to his villains, it's rarely handled in one issue. So look here for more on this developing conflict and the next step forward for Barry and his future. I know there's many other stories in this issue that I'm looking forward to reading, and I hope you get to as well. But certainly, this main story alone is an opportunity that I would not pass up. And to have it among your collection, along with all the other great stories that go with it, well, seems like a deal that's too good to pass up. I know it is for me. I will be thumbing through my physical copy very soon and look forward to all of the stories contained within. That was my second choice, a very strong five out of five for me and an opportunity for us to take a quick break, check in on what's going on here at DC Comics News, all the information you might want to know as a comic fan and Maybe just someone who enjoys celebrating heroes. 
And when that's all over, we'll come back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for sticking around. Talk to you in a minute. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. And just like that, we're back. And if you can hear the soft, rumbling snarbles of my French bulldog in the distance you know you are still in the DC Comics News Spinner Rack interdimensional realm where, for the most part, it's the top five books, the sound of my voice, anything else you can create with your mind, and for a little bit of sound ambiance, the snarbling, snoring, rumbling, roaring of my French bulldog Bruno. Those are the telltale signs that you have arrived. By the way, in case I didn't, Did I mention this is episode number 48? Perhaps, perhaps not. Well, if I did, it's always good to repeat, and if I didn't, happy to catch you up now. For this episode number 48, my third choice is Lois Lane. Now, I know it's a good one, because a plane just flew by, and when you're talking about something so good that even the planes have to demonstrate just how, well high the heights of this work can reach it's saying something what it's saying maybe i'm just reaching and trying to cover for the fact that that sort of sound is a bit distracting maybe it's just that good personally i think this amazing story that's being told right now in the issues of lois lane makes for a very compelling experience i've really enjoyed everything that i've seen so far i think overall Lois Lane number nine begins to compound the context of the mystery that's begun since issue number one. It's just how the layers are starting to come into play. In this story, there is a nun on the run. There is a young woman who used to work for Lois, who has been removed from her place of work and along with her family, removed from their home, placed in a camp, separated, 
isolated. And there's a reason why. It was so that there could be a change in Lois's activities and her schedule, and so there could be an opening for something nefarious to occur. Now, what is it that this worker just might know? Well, that's something that Lois is trying to discover, and she needs the help of her good friend, Miss Montoya, the question, who puts on quite an impressive display in a number of moments. Most interestingly for me is when she is with Batman, and there's a note exchange followed by a very terse conversation. <laughs> I love this story that Greg Rucka is telling through his writing, and the collaboration with Mike Pertens on the art and cover has been nothing but spot on. Andy Troy's beautiful colors really create this sense of darkness and a heaviness that seems to weigh, just like this sort of filter of the real world can oftentimes have. Simon Bolin with very important letters. They're expressive in a way that feels just so right for Lois Lane. And when you get a chance to see them, I'm thinking you're going to agree. For the uh, variant cover, we have Bilkis Evely and Matt Lopes. And underneath that cover and within the pages, I think, is a really great story about the lengths that Lois will go to not only find someone she cared about, someone she developed a relationship with, but also to uncover a major player, someone who once had a role within Checkmate and might now have the skills, the experience, and the knowledge to help Lois as she moves into the final stages of this story and continues her pursuit, despite the fact that she still remains an enemy of the people. I really enjoyed the way this book fit together so many of the pieces that have made it such a wonderfully winding narrative and why I've been so happy on each occasion when I have resisted the urge to share it every episode and found myself choosing the ones where it best fit among the others and also without forcing it into the spotlight simply because, as I've mentioned, I have my own personal preferences and I can't let those interfere with what I feel are the best books or should be included among the best books and the reasons why. This Lois Lane book, this number nine, a great way to come back around to this series, share it with you, and make it my third choice on this episode of The Spinner Rack. Five out of five again, great story, great art, great experience. Looking forward to hearing your great thoughts on all those ideas. However, let's go ahead now and move to my fourth choice. And for that fourth choice, I went with Superman Villains, number one. This is one of those unbelievable laundry lists of great talent. Whether it's the writing from Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Fraction, and Jody Hauser, 
that's a uh, that's a triumvirate if I ever heard of one, or artists like Michael Gatos, Riley Rosmo, Scott Godlewski, Brian Hitch, Cully Hammer, Steve Lieber, and Jim Mafood. I mean, at this point, that's almost as many people as were working on the Flash number 750, and that had multiple stories. This is just one book, right? Moving along, colorist Michael Gatos, Ivan Placencia, Gabe Eltabe, Alex Sinclair, Dave McCaig, Nathan Fairburn, and Jim Mafood, with letters by Clayton Cowles, Tom Natal, Tom Napolitano, Dave Sharp, Troy Pateri, and Josh Reed. The original cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair. So what are we talking about here? Well, what we're talking about is the fact that the world is still recovering in the Brian Michael Bendis story world from the announcement that Superman is Clark Kent and that Clark Kent is vice versa. It's a lot for people to wrap their heads around. And we had the chance to dive into this a bit with the uh, Heroes book, one that I was happy to, to share and talk about. And now we get the perspective of the villains. The idea being that when it comes to how many people are affected by this story, the numbers are, well, stupefying. <laughs> and yet at the same time, there are collections of groups that can be sampled and through them a greater range of experience and response can be enjoyed, can be witnessed, can be informative. That doesn't mean also that it's all serious. This is a really fun book. I love the way characters respond. It starts off with this great moment with Lex Luthor uh, noticing he's got his voicemails which one of the writers in a conversation recently was talking about the fact that he loved this, this scene for showing Luther checking his voicemail, which just seems like such a mundane thing for such a uh, celebrated intelligence. And yet there he is checking his messages. And the first one is laughter. Just a ha 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 ha. But it's the letters that really capture you because if you recognize the shape and the uh, clownish nature. It's not hard to suspect just who it is that's doing the laughing, especially when the second and the following messages appear to be just more laughing. Who's having so much fun at Lex's expense? Well, I happen to think it's the clown prince of crime, but I'm happy to hear your thoughts should you disagree or, well, I don't know what else you could do, agree enthusiastically i'm okay with that too even so luther all this time didn't know and it's got to be driving him a bit nuts how nuts well we get a hint of that in this issue but we also get the chance to see how other villains are responding and that's really the beauty of taking the longer look of having books like superman heroes and books like superman villains they go beneath the surface, they take this collection of characters, and they show what the impact is like, how there's shock, derision, uh, 
and in some cases outright anger, if not disgust, that he's done something that he might have encouraged others not to do, perhaps leading them to a life of crime, perhaps becoming the cause for why they believe they chose crime, or perhaps just now becoming a focal point for their anger. Whatever it might be, in this instance, we have a really great set of stories with this just, I mean, at some point you realize that you're just trying to search for adjectives, but this is a uh, tremendous collection of great talents and they do a wonderful job capturing this idea and making it into something that can be a substantive book and one that is a, I think an important chapter in this collection of stories that are focusing on how, if, why, this version of telling Superman and illustrating the experience when he revealed his identity is in somehow better, more, or just different from the versions that have come before, perhaps simply because of perspective. I'm curious what your take is. That was mine. All the great ways to share with me will be available at the end of this episode. In the meantime, I gave Superman Villains, number one, a really strong five out of five. And before we can get to that end, we have to, well, take a look at that fifth book. For me, I had to go with Harley Quinn, number 71. So why this book? Why Harley Quinn? Well, Harley Quinn is actually a series that has come to grow on me simply because of the amazing, amazing approaches to storytelling it continues to embrace. I feel that there are no limits. It is not willing to push, attempt, stretch, or blow past. And that's something that I think should be celebrated in all forms and degrees of storytelling. Harley Quinn embraces its own sense of self and uses that as a... There's a good word for it. Ah, I found it. Divining rod. The way they used to search for water with that forked stick or other manipulative device that could be influenced by the forces and pulled towards sources of water. Using that element, we've seen Harley take on some amazing challenges, witness the passing of her mother to the devastations of a long-term illness, and through the recognition that Sometimes home isn't always the place where you are, it's the place where you're going to, or the place maybe you'll one day need to come back to. She's journeyed off to Los Angeles, and she's found herself in the midst of a detective case, one in which her friend Alicia, a famed and feared wrestler, was struck down, lost her life, and has left behind a little daughter who is perhaps more of a stable person compared to Harley, who, while doing her best to 
keep in mind California etiquette, like paper straws in her drinks, is also often found slumped over, drinking from a bottle of whiskey, listening to her friend's daughter explain what's going on and how it's affecting her, while at the same time spouting off her own theories, and somehow finding a way to charge ahead. This has been a proven tactic for her in the past, but Harley also needs to change her tactics because part of her growth is about learning that you can't just do things one way and expect to have success. This is actually very well illustrated when she takes on who she believes are Alicia's killers and then finds herself confronting what appear to be overwhelming odds. How will the rest of the book play out? And will it need a continuation of the story? Well, you're going to have to read more to discover for yourselves. I'm going to say this story can't be wrapped up in just issue number 71. And I'll leave it at that. And with that, we have my fifth and final choice, a great five out of five and a perfect ending to episode number 48 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Wanted to thank you for joining me today. Happy to have you here with me as I took a look, poured through, shared my findings on this week's selection of books. And a bit of business before we wrap things up. For starters... DC Comics News is now available on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. So please, if you haven't, head over, subscribe to the podcast, and rate and review. And if you have thoughts you want to share with me, with us, about this, or anything else you find, read, or hear from DC Comics News, you can follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, this includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. Just use the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Let us know your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your opinions. And let me know what you think about this episode, the books I chose, and what your take positive or negative, might be. If you enjoy hearing podcasts about comics, I'm going to encourage you to check out the DC Comics News podcast team, where we weekly break down news and insights regarding movies, TV, and streaming, as well as comics and this great category we like to call Other. You can join me and my co-conspirators, Brad Felicki, Kelly Gaines, and Steve J. Ray. And for just a little bit more comics exposure, I'm going to encourage you to check out my co-conspirator Steve J. Ray and his new podcast, I Am The Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of the classic Batman the Animated Series that if you enjoyed the show, you certainly won't want to miss this podcast. And with that, I bid you adieu, and thank you for joining me We'll be back next time with my top five picks next week, just like every week. And until then, as always, read 
more comics. Thanks, folks. See you next time.